morning, praise God, and uh, we're, we're ministering on the always answered asker. But I want to instruct our audience that we are, sorry about that, Children's Church. I'm just not used to it, hallelujah. But I want to I instruct everybody, we're here on Wednesday nights. So if you think we're just Sunday morning, you'd be right, but we're also here on Wednesday nights. And uh, we're ministering on a series right now called Talk Yourself Into the Life You Love. So if that intrigues you, then you ought to come tune in on Wednesday night. So uh, we've been ministering on uh, do what only you can do so that you can do all that you're called to do. Have y'all heard that before? Does that impact you? And well, yesterday I was meditating on that. Do what only I can do in order to or so that I can do all that he's called me to do. In other words, it's not automatic that we can just take care of everything that comes into our life and play around and mess around and do things that are not in our assignment and get it all done. So time is finite. Time is a factor. Would you all agree? Time is a factor because I know people. I know young men that are wise. I know old men, old men that are fools. Y'all know those men, and they wasted their life. And I, I could have wasted my life. Maybe you could have wasted yours, but praise God. I got filled with the Holy Ghost and went on. So, so do only what only you can do so you'll finish your assignment. Say my assignment. My assignment. You and I have a, what the Word calls a race to run and a course to finish. But I was, yesterday I was meditating on this, and I realized that sometimes, we have another saying around here, that it takes all of their life to live their life. People that, at the end of the day, all they did was buy the groceries, go to work, come in, water the dog or, or, the, or the lawn, whatever, and you just go in there, sit down, watch the news, and then plop, they're in bed and they're just exhausted. And it, it took all of their life to live their life. In other words, nothing happened for anybody else and nothing was really an investment in the kingdom. They just went to work and visited with those people. But I realized when it takes all of your life to live your life, there's no time for incidental things like praying for somebody. So if something comes up and says, we need prayer or we need you to come over and lay hands on us or you need that. If you're living your life where it takes all of your life to live your life, if you go, there's nothing to give. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you go, if you've lived your whole life that day just and emptied out in secular things and you hadn't prayed or you hadn't read the word or whatever, you're just, you're just living your life. And then when there's a kingdom project come up, which is really what we're down here for, we're not down here to just make a, a, a wage. And to raise our kids. Thank God you should do that. We don't have anything left over. So uh, I was thinking about that sign that we saw when Winsels was here in Tuscaloosa. That little sign that was on the board that said it, they have a problem for every answer. They have, it's what? Yeah, they have a problem for every solution. That's it. And I know those people. Do you? It doesn't matter how you fix it. It doesn't matter how you turn it. How you could make it work. They've got, a, they got two or three things in their pocket that says, ah, that won't work because. So my point is, is don't live all your life living your life. Save some for Jesus. Because the reason you say, well, nothing's going on. Nobody ever calls. One reason the Lord doesn't assign things to people is because it took all of their life to live their life. They were doing things that anybody could do, but they did them. And so the Lord doesn't call you or assign you because you're tapped out. Why? Brother Hagin used to say uh, about some ministries, he said, empty hands on em empty heads. Yeah, everything looked transactional, but really there wasn't anything to impart and there wasn't anything to receive it. He said that uh, he's, he's laid his hands on people, he would say, and it was like putting your hand on a doorknob. There wasn't anything more than that. So my point this morning is life is not near as complicated as it seems. But if you let other people define your life, you're covered up. I'm not, I don't want to be covered up. I want to have time 
to dream about helping people. I want to have time to go and transact, either to receive from them or to give to them, lay hands on the sick, speak an encouraging word, build a church in Africa. Amen. Amen. So if you would, turn with me in your Bible. Let's go to this, the always answered asker. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. I'm excited about the always being the always answered asker. It changed your life. If you knew that every time you hit a wall of some kind, a situation, and you needed help, and so you knew all your help was going to come from the Lord, if you could say, I know there's a situation here, let me go pray, and it will change. Now, that's a different kind of Christian. I will pray, and it will be okay. I will go and petition God. He always answers me. I will pray accurately. I will pray uh, according to his will, and the answer will come. That's pretty boasty. That's pretty cocky. That's pretty in your face. If I pray, it will change. How many of y'all believe the Lord Jesus had that same attitude? I only do what the Father says. I only say what the Father says. So we know he gets his stuff done. If I say it and do it just like him, I'll have it just like him. We ought to be that in the earth. We ought to be what the world goes to and says, we're out of options. Let's, let's go to Jonathan. Let's go to Garland. Let's, let's go ask them because they always get stuff. They got a reputation. If they lay hands on you, you will recover. It says in Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 24, it says, uh, let's read it together. Ready, read. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Ye shall have them. Ye shall. The word shall is very strong in the Greek. Ye shall have them. It has no ambiguity, has no wishy-washy, no hesitating. Ye shall means it's done it's like the receipt that you get out of the bank. I got it. It says I put a thousand in it. It's in there. I got the receipt. It shall be done. And so uh, the word, the word ask there, what things soever you desire, excuse me, uh, is the word. I looked it up. It means to ask. It means to call. What things soever you, uh, you, you call when you pray. But it also means the word demand or require. So let's read it that way. Jesus, Lord Jesus said, what things soever ye require or that ye demand when ye pray, that ye demand. Now, that's a little that's a little tilt on humbly praying, Lord, if it be your will, I'm your humble servant down here and I'm a worm and not I hadn't even been that good of a worm lately. But Lord, if you see some mercy just to slide me a crumb, well, I'd be so grateful. I, I, I hate to ask, Lord, but, uh, uh, you know, I she. That's the way it is out there, though. I mean, they wouldn't describe it like that, but if you get down to and added it all up and they're praying, they're believing, that's what it's like. We don't expect anything, and so when we ask, we're not expecting anything, and we don't get anything. Uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. You know this verse. Oh, this is so powerful, these two verses. This, this blows religion out of the water. And unless you can figure out a way that I hadn't seen to uh, say this means something else, this just takes religion by captivity. It says in verse 14, and this is the confidence. So he's, he's in a discourse there, and he says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Say, I have, I have. confidence in him. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Okay, that's easy to say. Shut up or put up. He said, well, here's my confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, wouldn't that be his word? For sure, and other things as well. If we ask anything, anything according to his will, he heareth us. You ever heard anybody say my prayers just came back off the ceiling? I, they didn't go up anywhere. They, you know. And, verse 15, if we know that he hears us, 
And he says, we have a confidence that he hears us if we pray. Whatsoever, whatsoever. Big word, big inclusive word. He could have said something, sometime, some way. But he said, whatsoever we ask, we know. There's that confident word. We know that we have the petitions that we desired, same word as in Mark, that we require of him. Now, we got we to gotta get, we got to pass out scissors and cut this out. Or we got to believe. Or we got to say, I, I, it's in there, but I don't believe it. We got to change that says, I'm an always answered asker. I'm an asker and I'm answered how much? All the time. All the time. The Amplified says this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness. Which we have in him, we are sure, we are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. So you don't want to just be hallooing out there, just throwing stuff up, you know, well, the man upstairs, I asked him if he'd, you know, if I went downstairs, there'd be cokes in the machine. Last time I went down, there was no Cokes in the machine, so I, no, it's not flippant. It's like, okay, we're settling down here. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge, you know the Amplified, that we have granted us as our present possessions have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of him. So he's saying here there's a transaction. If you find his will and you ask according to his will, the desires that you have, according to his will, not five Cadillacs in the garage, but ask according to his will, he said, we have as our present possessions the requests made of him. Now that sounds like the always answered Ask her. Amen. Turn with me. To, uh, well, I'll just read you James 4, 2. It says, you have not because you ask not. So there's a big case to be made right here that we should ask. Accurately, with confidence, with expectation, that I'm fixing to pull the trigger. I'm fixing to pull the trigger. And that's what I like to liken it to is everybody's held a gun, but not everybody's pulled the trigger. And that's the way it is in faith and with prayer, is lots of people have know about prayer and asking God, and they know what that means, but very few have pulled the trigger. I'm talking about said, I'm fixing to pray. It's about to happen. I'm going into my closet, and I am going to pray. Not just like, well, God knows what I want, and if he wants me to have it, he'll send it. No, I'm fixing to go in my closet and I'm fixing to go in with my prayer gun and I'm going to pull the trigger. And my trouble, my lack, my need is about to die. Because he hears me and he gives me what I need because I transacted, I pulled the trigger. Pulled the trigger. You know, when you pull the trigger, if there's a bullet in it, it goes out the gun. Now, if you play with it and handle it and whatever, don't put a shell in it, well, nothing happens. You, you could say I went in there and shot it, but if there's no bullets in it, you didn't shoot anything. You're blanks. But if you put a shell in there, if you put a faith in there, if you put a confidence in there and says, I'm fixing to go into my closet with the will of God, a need in my life that he wants to answer, I'll be out in just a few minutes and it'll be done. Well, so I'll ask you the next day, did it happen? Sure did. I shot the gun. I prayed the prayer. I asked with confidence. It's done. Well, where is it? It's done. Well, let me see it. It's done. I transacted it. If you go online, if you go to Amazon or any of those idiots or, or those people, you can transact. And they will, they will let you put a little card number in there and hit pay. Oh, once you hit pay, you've pulled the trigger. <laughs> well, where is it? I pulled the trigger. It'll be here. Is that right? Well, we believe in that stuff. We flow with that stuff. Turn with him Matthew, if you would, chapter 20. We must change our expectation 
And we must do it according to the word of God. Because you're just cocky. You're just haughty. You're just arrogant. If you say, ah, I'm fixing to do it and God's fixing to do it just because I said I want him to do it. You know, those people are everywhere. But if you go in and say, I've got the word of God. By his stripes I was healed. I've got the word of God. He supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've got the word of God. I lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm going to transact with that. It's like handling plutonium or uranium. It's a holy thing. It's not flippant like, whatever, Lord, you know we need it and you know, we know you got it. So if you want to, go ahead. I'm going in and transacting. I'm going to do business like at the bank. I'm going to do business. I'm going to put $100 on there with a deposit slip. They're going to take those and they're going to give me a receipt saying, we now have your $100 in here. Come get it anytime. We know that. We, we're easily persuaded to believe concerning natural things that have no basis. There could be a run on the bank and you lose your money. There could be, uh, I remember a number of years ago when uh, Lehman Brothers collapsed and all them. Uh, I, I had some kin folks that lost $100,000 just like that. Snap. It was gone for like forever. It was his whole retirement or a big part of it. And it's like, how, that can't happen. That's against the law. That can't happen. It happened. This won't collapse. This is a sure deal. Nobody's going to steal it. Moth does not corrupt. Rust does not canker. It says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 30. Look what the Lord said. He said, uh, well, this isn't the Lord himself speaking. It says, and behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said to them, What will ye that I shall do to you? Now, for context, you need to know, blind people wore a robe of some kind. I don't know what it was, but you knew they were blind before you could see that they couldn't see because they wore a garment, and it, it made them where they could beg. If you didn't have the garment, you better not be begging. So he said, what will ye that I shall do to you? So my point there is Jesus knew what they needed. They were marked. It wasn't like, who are you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. That verse there, what will ye that I shall do to you? I, I looked that up everywhere, lots of versions. And the most interesting version I found is that they said in the Weast, what do you desire that I should do for you? What do you desire? That's important. Just because you have a need. You've heard the story about a lady that was uh, uh, in a wheelchair and she had a problem with her ear. Uh, she couldn't hear very well and there was something going on with her ear. She's in a wheelchair, and there's the, the, the revival, the, the, the camp meeting, the whatever. And so he, the, the minister's going down there praying. He said, well, dear sister, what can I do for you? She said, I'm having trouble with my ear. She's in a wheelchair. So he leans over to her in the wheelchair and prays for her, and she said, "Woohoo! I got it. And he said, is there anything else that you need? Lady in the wheelchair. She said, nope, I got it all. Put her hands down and started rolling off. So it's not automatic that even though we have a need, and we all do, that we would acknowledge that's a need. You can get acclimated to limitation. Did you know that? You can get where you don't even know. I know people that are in wheelchairs, and they'll pray for around the world and pray for anybody and anything in their own lives. But they never mention when, a, when, a, when somebody comes into the church with a healing ministry, they never mention, y'all pray for him because... He's in the wheelchair. It never comes up because he's been that way for so long. It's just like that's the way it is. And so we, we got to be 
we got to be challenged with the word to say, I can have it all, and I should have it all. So the we says that, what do you desire that I should do for you? And, of course, they said, Lord, that our eyes be open. Slip back to Matthew chapter 6. You're right there. Let's, he's talking about what shall I do, or what will ye that I should do unto you? He knew they were blind, but he made them say, what shall I do for you? He made them enunciate it. He made them say it. Verse 30, chapter 6, verse 31 says, therefore take, no, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? The Lord Jesus said that. In verse 32, he says, For, so he's explaining 31, For after all these things, eating, drinking, and clothing, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And here it is right here. He's talking to his folks. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of these things. So he knows what you need. He knows better than we do what we need. We think we're fine. And he says, you, you are a pitiful mess. You are a pitiful mess and you think you're fine. You so need the Holy Ghost. You so need to go to church where somebody will lay hands on you. You so need, so need, so need. The rich young ruler came to the Lord Jesus. He said, uh, how do I receive eternal life? And the Lord said, well, do this, this, and this. He said, well, I, I've kept the command since my youth. And the Lord said, one thing thou lackest. The guy didn't have a clue that he had anything last. He says, well, you got all this money. Go and uh, give what you have. Take up the cross and follow me. And the Bible says the rich young ruler went away very sad. He had a need. He had a need for eternal life, but he couldn't pull the trigger for it. I'm the same way. You are too. We have needs in our life. If we knew what we needed next, we wouldn't be asking for stuff that's peripheral, down the road, insignificant. We'd ask for the most important thing in our life if we knew what it was, and we knew that he would answer the need we have. Is that right? And we would, if we knew what the real need of our life was, uh, maybe, maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe that's what's holding up somebody, is they're just not letting it go. They're just not letting it go. I do good, I don't do bad, I've got other areas, but I'm not letting that go. Maybe that's one thing thou lackest. Maybe everything is backed up behind, like a snowstorm on the turnpike, Everything's backed up behind it because I ain't letting it go. They did it. It hurt me, and I'm not letting it go. Well, we all got a life of that. There's nobody in here that doesn't have that transaction in your life somewhere that somebody did you wrong, and they never said anything. Matter of fact, they kind of sneered about it even. And there you are. You got a choice to let it go or dig in. So we all have needs. So if the Lord was going to say, what do you desire I should do to you? Invariably, we say, Lord, I, my car, I need a new car. I need this and I need that. It's, we're missing it point, the whole point. Because we're asking amiss. You have not because you ask not, so God can't fix what's wrong with us. Because we don't know what's wrong with us and we don't ask. So he says, your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Um, He knows what you need. So here's the question, the golden question. Why doesn't he give you what he needs? If he knows what you and I need, why doesn't he give us what we need? Why do we have to mention? Why do we have to pray? Why do we have to have a confidence that if we ask him anything, he heareth us? And if he heareth us, we know that he grants us the petitions that we have asked of him. Why is it we have to ask? Just like he did the blind man there, faith works by asking. Some sort of acknowledgement instead of, Lord, I just want a better day. I just want my money to be better. Lord, I just want to feel better. I want people to be nice to me. No, 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 no. And still miss it. You didn't forgive your brother-in-law for what he did back in 96. And it's blocked everything up. You are, you are spiritually constipated. You are backed up to your tonsils. Hallelujah. I can be so gross. Hallelujah. 
It's like, oh, Lord, that's not a problem. I, I, I need this or I need that. No, that's the whole problem. Nothing's happening until that. We need to know what the Lord knows that we need. We ask amiss. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's talk about this in a little different light. Is this okay? Ephesians chapter 3. Amen. I want to get this right. I want to get this right. This is major. Well, why don't you preach on sin and don't do this and don't, don't mess with that and, you know, get these people straightened up. You can't straighten people up by telling them what they already know is wrong. If you don't have a means to, to lift them up out of it, if there's no framework for living above sin, it's futile to lift people out of sin. You get off drugs. You quit that smoking. You don't drink anymore, and you'll, you'll be good. I know lots of people that don't drink and smoke and do drugs, and they're wrecks. So that doesn't fix it. it. They may be a slave to that, but if they're not a slave to that, they might be a slave to something else. TV, you could be a slave to TV or food or what. So that's not, preaching on sin is not the answer. Preaching on who we are in Christ Jesus is the answer. Because if I know that, then I'll ask him. And he'll hear me, and he'll grant me what I ask him. If I know who I am, if I have a confidence, this is the confidence that we have in him. i got to have a confidence. i got to know I am the number one son. We just tell Barry and Jonathan and Garland and Lynn, we tell them to step back while we're t making this prayer. We say, I'm the number one son. Nobody's listening. And we say, Lord, I come. Number one son has come to ask you some number one son things. I know you'll listen to number one son. you got to have that attitude. you got to have that thing like, I'm here. And we even believe it in a genie that, that you rub the lamp and get three wishes. We even believe junk like that. I mean, sort of. But we don't believe this. So something's wrong. Ephesians chapter 3 says in verse 9, look at that, look at that. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Where did God store all his wisdom? Oh, he's got it all in heaven. No, he doesn't. It says he put it in the church. But the church thinks they're worms. They think we're just regular folks. They think that the trouble, the pandemic that's going around out there, that we're all just up against it like they are. That we have no more power than they do. If you said that's wrong, that would be right. We have the manifold wisdom of God. But i got to go on. Can't preach on that. Uh, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, look in verse 12, in whom... Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access. Can you say access with me? In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. The word access means approach or admission. The Amplified says of free access, an unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. We, we call it, at our house, we call it sally forth. It just means we're fixing to go in and see the Father. Angels are right there in reverence. There's 24 of them fluttering around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. It's, everything is, you know, and, and here we are. Here we are, mere mortals, little, men that make mistakes and mess up and think wrong and have a litany of things in our past that we're ashamed of. We're going to go into the throne room of God because we have access. This door only to the throne room of God. Sir, just follow that road and you'll go right into the throne room of God. Now, this is powerful because the reason we don't ask him is because we don't think we have access. We think, like I said, that there's things that are in our life that keep us from being able to go in. And only you know them. Well, maybe a few other people know it, but we pay no attention to them. You know what you've done. You know what you haven't done. Most parents my age regret, just have regret. 
I didn't raise my kids right. I could have done better. Well, yeah, with what you know now, looking back, but you didn't have looking back. You were where you were when, you, when they were there, and we just did the best we could. We have a good heart, good intent, but then when our kids mess up or don't respect us, we just say, oh, I wish I'd have done better. Well, that'll, that'll shut off the access. You ever seen pictures of these cavers, these spelunkers that uh, crawl down into a hole in the earth? And then they squeeze between two rocks and, and get to the other side. Those people are crazy. Those people are crazy. I wouldn't go down in that place for anything except the Lord Jesus if he was in there. He'd have to bid me to come on the water. <laughs> but uh, so, so it's like that. It's like they, we let condemnation, we let guilt of what we've done, what we haven't done. Our regrets, our, our, uh, we all have them, but you got to deal with them. You got to say, yeah, that, I had that. It, it's in my life, but it's not in front of the door, that access door. It's over here. It's over there. I, when I see them or when I mess with them or, you know, I have trouble still because they can't forget who I, what I did. But as far as the father, it's in the sea of his forgetfulness. I repented it to him. I said, God, I confess it as sin against you, against them, against me, against the calling. I repent. I confess my sin. And now I'm clean. I have access. And if I get access, then I can go in there and ask him anything according to his will. And I know that because of access, he heareth me. You go, wow, Michael, there's just... There's 10,000 people in here. I can't hear you because the whole room's in there. No, I'm the only one in the room. And he's leaning over from his throne saying, tell me what you got. I'm listening. I got access. Now your soul, this part up here between the ears, that soul, your mind, will, and emotions, it's saying we don't have access. We're saying you can't get healed because... And then there's a list, and you can add to the list any time. The devil will supply you some new material regularly if you need to know how condemned and guilty and sorry you are. He's, he's there to say, try this, see if you'll take that. But I have access. Let me read it again. It says, uh, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Because of what Jesus did for me and you, I have access. It was one of those things that he hung on the cross and said, I'm doing this for you. I was on the cross with him. Weren't we on the cross with him? We died with him so that we could be resurrected with him. We, we died with him. You weren't, I wasn't even born then. You died with him so that you and I could be resurrected with him. So what's my benefits? He said, by his stripes, you're healed. He became he became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. There's benefits. One of the benefits is access. Y'all come on in. Y'all come on in. Michael, come on in. No. I'm coming in. Me and Father have an appointment. Who set that appointment? I did. <laughs> He's got, I've got access. Oh, this is, the TEV says, we have the boldness to go into God's presence with all confidence. The passion, you know we're going to get to the passion. It says, we have boldness through him and free access, look, look, as kings before the Father. So, you know, when, the, when our president receives dignitaries, they have a state dinner or they just, they show you in there with the fireplace behind them. They have access to the president. And you don't have access to the president. Bubba does, but you don't. <laughs> but we have access to the king of kings because we are kings. He's the king of, did y'all ever get that? He's the king of us kings. So I have access. And if I have access, what, what are you going to do in there? I'm going to come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. That's what I'm going to do. But if you don't go in there, you don't have anything. You can't, you can't say it. The message says we're free to say whatever, whatever needs to be said 
bold to go wherever we need to go. I'm going to read that one again. We're free to say whatever needs to be said. God, I'm hurting. Father, I, this, this isn't working for me. I got troubles. I got issues. I got this, this. I don't know what to do. That's the main thing we'd say. I don't know what to do. He said, I know what to do. Come in here and I'll tell you what to do. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll meet your need. You, you're $10,000 short and they're coming after you. Let me tell you where the money's hidden. I hid it for you like the Red Sea Trail. I hid it for you. I put the, the road under the sea. I put it there before I needed it. I put money where you can get it. But you had to ask. And to ask, you had to have access. And to have access, you got to know who you are. I am blood-bought. Have I done it all right? That's not the subject. I'm blood-bought's the subject. I am holy unto the Lord. People don't like that. I'm a worm. We're, I, I'm so weary, if you can say that, of listening to people, well-known Christians, so, so to speak, say, uh, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Well, you're not going into that. You're not got excess with sinner label on you. God doesn't want sinners in his presence. Get saved. You know the story about the, the, the king that through the wedding and he, invitations, nobody came. And he told his servant, go out and, and go into the highways and hedges and bring them, compel them to come in. And then there, there was one found there that didn't have a wedding garment. He said, cast him out, throw him out. I got my wedding garment on. I have access. I came in here by the blood. I came in here knowing who I'm a child of God. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn of the same ass. Ah, oh, you can't say that. No, I'm not saying we're Jesus. I'm not saying we're, we, we did. We did not do what he did. He's the firstborn. And he did for us so that we could be like him. John, 1 John says, as he is, so are we in this world. When? Right now. Not in the sweet by and by, but right now. This will help you. This will help you. So Ephesians chapter 3, let's go to verse 20. We're slipping down there. We got off access. Now, it's, he picks it up here, just eight verses down. He says, now unto him... That is able to do what? Barely get you by, squeeze you through. It, it, the, Lord, the Lord is just in time. He's always just in time. He's never early. He's just in time. That's what religion says. Well, he came at the last second. Well, I told you all, that's because we don't get serious with our faith till the last second. <laughs> so that's when he comes. It's not true. He'll be there the first minute. You say, God, I got a need. In 20 days, i got to have $10,000. He said, let's take care of it today. Well, Lord, what about the 20th day? Can't, aren't you going to wait till the 20th day and make me sweat and squirm and carry on? No, if you ask me 20 days early, I'll take care of it. It might take 12 days to get the money together because of people, but if you ask me, I'll get it there on time. So it says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above, all. Y'all like those words? Exceeding abundantly above all. Would y'all say that's airtight? Would y'all say that's, that's like a submarine? It's, it, it, it's according to the power that worketh in heaven, in God, in the, in the angel realm. No, it's the power that's already inside of me. I'm a child of God. I got him inside of me. Greater is he that is within me. Where is God? Where is Jesus? Where's the spirit of grace? It's in me. It's not on a mountain. It's not up in heaven. I, I lifted my voice to heaven and asked God. No, he's right here. Quit shouting. He's not deaf, but he's right here. Uh, so I wrote this down. This is pretty powerful, I think. We ask according to our understanding. Because listen, that's good. Uh, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So we ask according to our understanding. You know, if you need $10,000, you're going to ask for $10,000. But then after you get to $10,000, go in there, they say, 
well, there's a $2,000 service charge, or you got to have this. You go, ah, I just asked according to my understanding. But then, doggone, you look down, and you've got 12000 because he, able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. So we're, we're asking, are asking according to what we understand. Listen, listen, this is powerful. That's the least we will have. If he doesn't kick in at all, he's going to kick in exactly what you ask. He'll take care of it. But it's the least because he said there, I got more. How much more? Exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. I got more than what you can say. This is my need. That's my need, Lord. It's all my need. If I get that fixed, I'm good. No, you're not. I'm going to have to do some exceeding abundantly above all. And he does that. And that's what our testimonies say. As I went into this situation and I knew what they were requiring, I knew what I needed, I knew what I had to get this situation turned around, I knew that, 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 I had understanding. And the Lord said, that's the least amount you'll have. I'm going to do more than what you know and understand. Because I'm God and I'm good and I'm gracious and I'm generous. I'm not just L barely. <laughs> I'm L exceeding abundantly above. I love it. It just changes everything. If you'll believe it and walk on it, if you'll walk out this revelation, it'll, cha it'll change your whole life. It'll be as powerful as the new birth. Not quite, but it'll be as powerful as getting filled with the Holy Ghost. If you can approach God, I got access. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to become confident. I'm going in there tomorrow to pull the trigger. I'm going into the secret place tomorrow. And until then, I'm going to build myself up on who I am. I am a child of God. The devil says, no, you're a wormy thing. You're an orphan. You're a cast out. You're a not quite good enough. So we're going to deal with all that on Wednesday because we have an appointment with God on Thursday. Who set the appointment? I did. But if I change mine, I can go in on Friday. He doesn't care. But I go in, I don't just go in and say, well, I got access, I'm going to roll in there. It's not based on who you are, it's based on you being able to be confident and bold in what you ask. So I got to fix me, don't I? I got, to, I got to steer some stuff out of here. I might have to forget Le forgive Leroy, because that thing is going to be weighing on me, like, ah, I'm going in there confidently. But I wonder if he's going to remember that I didn't forgive Leroy. And you're going to have that, so you won't be bold. You'll say, well, Lord, I'll take half of what I need because I got this thing with I didn't forgive Leroy. And so I'll just take half, and that's not, that's not who we are. We have access, so we go in there bold and confident. So we divest ourselves, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Clean me up so I can go into the holy place and ask what I need. The word is require and demand. Based on what you said, Lord, based on what you said in 1 John, 1, in 1 John 5, 14, based on what you said, I'm demanding you keep your word. And the Lord, will, he'll, he'll turn to the Lord Jesus on his right and said, I like that boy. He's got stuff. He read, the, he read the promise. He read the covenant. He read and he believed. I like that boy. Give him a helping, heaping, double portion of my goodness. And you go, oh, Lord, that's exceeding abundantly above what I even asked, what I was even thinking about. That's more. He said, yeah, come back tomorrow and we got more where that came from. Isn't this powerful? So why don't believers... Go boldly in and ask. Why don't we just pony up and say, tomorrow I'm going to go in and pull the trigger with the Father. We're going to transact. We're going to sign the covenant or sign the document. We're going to make the deal. We're going to shake the hand. We're, whatever you want to call it when you go in and do business with God, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do it. Why don't we do that? Well, it's because a lot of it is we're not bold. Where I wrote down that we're ashamed. You ever been ashamed? 
You might not tell your best friend because he might get ashamed of you too. So we just say we covered up. But inside we're ashamed or we're guilty or we're bashful. Timidity is, I can't say it's sin, but it isn't pleasing to God. However, however that place is in there. Timidity, shyness. He has no use of using you if you can't be bold. Bold toward heaven, bold toward the devil, and bold toward all men. Where do you get that? Well, you don't get it from working up your personality. You might be a timid person. You get it from finding out who you are. Greater is he that is in me. I'm going to act on that instead of, I don't feel like I'm very powerful. I'm going to, I'm going to act on that. So I, I'll quit with this. There's two levels of receiving. When you go in to receive from anybody, just go into the bank or go into anywhere, there's two levels of receiving. One of them is based on relationship. If you're going to ask your dad for something, to help you with something, you're going to go in on relationship. But the other one is if it's not your dad, it's just a banker, so to speak, or a friend or whatever, whatever it is, you don't use relationship. Hey, I'm Jack. Remember you met me the other day over at Leroy's house? Hmm, yeah, I guess I do remember you. You don't go in there based on relationship. You're not getting anything. But what you do is you go in there on boldness. What the word calls impudence, where you're unashamed, unashamed asking. They can't resist what I'm going to call your gall. Some people call it your brass. They say, he's so brassy. They got gall saying that. They're so forward. Get what you need because the Father sent you. And he's got what you need. Now, we, Wednesday night, we talked, Wednesday week, we talked about where, where is your provision? Where does God keep the stuff that you pray for and say, God, I'm asking you for this. I need 10 grand. Where is it? Is it going to float down in your living room or is it going to be under the house? The Bible says the wealth of the sinner is stored up, heaped up for us. So it's, it's somewhere. Well, where is it? It's like the road under the Red Sea. Moses ra raised his arm and doggone, if the Lord hadn't already looked ahead and made a way out. We had no idea that was down there until he uncovered it. He'll uncover. If you go in brassy, if you go in with gall, if you go in with impotence, you go in with undenied, I will not be denied. This is my right. I have paperwork. I have promises. I have a surety. I'm going in and getting what's mine. You got that, you'll come out with what's yours. Have you got your favorite card there? And we hadn't looked at this since 2007. But I've changed it. You know how we always change things around here. This is one thing, or several things. I didn't count them. This is what's in your life. I said, this is what's already in your life. I'll say it again. It's what God's already done for you and me, and we just have to receive it. We always say this. God's a better giver than we are receivers. Everybody accuses him of not giving, but it's actually the receiving. So I'm a tither and a giver, and I'm receiving of the Lord. Let's read it together. Let's just, we'll read slow, but let's read what you're receiving of the Lord. Ready? Read. Jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses. Hidden benefits, checks in the mail, sales and commissions, money cometh, favorable settlements and cases won, cash received, suddenlies, estates and inheritances, wealth transfers, new income streams, rebates and returns, discounts and dividends, Revelation, wisdom, and insight, gifts and surprises, asset appreciation, finding money, bills decreased and paid off, debts forgiven, doors open, 
opportunity and deals seized, new seed to sow, blessings and increase. That's all I could think of. Everything else I thought of, I'd already kind of, it overlapped. But if you think of one that you think that God wants us to have, favor, well, tell me about it and we'll add it to the list. But this will get you going. <laughs> Put that on your refrigerator and it'll cover the whole freezer section. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, down there, there's the 10 benefits of God's favor. I, uh, in this, this little list started out in 97. Days of Heaven in 97. I don't know if y'all can remember that far back, but that's, that's what... Uh, but I didn't like Days of Heaven in 97 since it's not 97. So I've put, I already won in 21. <laughs> I pay no attention to that, but it's true. We have already won in 21. Hallelujah. So we have supernatural increase in promotion, according to these scriptures. Restoration of all the enemy is stolen. That could be a load. Honor in the midst of adversaries. Adversaries, excuse me. Increased assets, especially in real estates. Greater victories in the midst of greater odds or impossibilities. Recognition, even when we seem to be the least likely to receive it. Now, we're talking about favor here. We're not talking about how good you look and, and your, your brand new uh, uh, shoes that you put on to go impress somebody. Favor. Preem prominence and preferential treatment. Petitions granted even by ungodly civil authorities. Policies, rules, regulations, laws change to my advantage. Battles won. We won't have to fight because God fights for us. Hey, that ought to fill your tank up. Just pick out one for today and tomorrow and say, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to exercise my soul and become bold if i believe this now listen if you believe this and you have access you won't go you won't go in there and ask for leftovers and crumbs you won't go in there saying begging begging oh god you got the list lord according to your word this is on the list that you said if you come in here and ask me i'll give it to you if you come in here and ask me i'll give it to you if you'll come in here and ask me, I'll give it to you. Well, why don't you have it? I ask not. Or I ask to miss. I ask for stuff that's not there. Beat Billy Bob's brains out so that I can get his stuff. That's not on the list. That's asking a miss. It's not going to work in the throne room. God loves Billy Bob. <laughs> and you should too, by faith. Hallelujah. When we moved to Tuscaloosa in 97, I'll tell you the story next week, but uh, the Lord said, get a new house. Oh, we'd never had a new house. Nobody in our family, nobody had ever had a new house. Nobody. Matter of fact, we were of the mindset if two houses were next to each other, one was new and one was used, it didn't matter if it was cheaper than the new one. We would have bought the used one because we were used house people. Y'all hear what I'm saying? But the Lord said, the Lord said, I want you in a new house when you move to Tuscaloosa. Well, God, you've got to make it happen because all we have to do is agree with you. And so uh, at the last minute, we said we got, we got the go-ahead to be pastors in Tuscaloosa. And so it was July. Eric had to be enrolled in school by August 12th. And to be enrolled in school, you had to have a contract on a house or a rental agreement in that school district. We found out we, the Lord said, I want him to go to Hillcrest. So we said, ah, that's good stuff. We'll, go, we'll do that. Wherever Hillcrest is, we found it. And so we went down there. And there was a new house that uh, the builder had built and got in trouble, apparently. And he hadn't sold it in two years. It was a nice little house. But uh, somebody had broke into it and vandalized it, put mud on the walls. And people just said, ah, so we said, we'll buy this house from you, Mr. Builder. But uh, we need the key by August 12th. I said, I'll give you my word. I'll buy the house if you'll give me the key and a contract today. Well, if we moved in and then moved out, 
He's got a used house. So he's not in the mood for that. But you know what he said? Sure. Later, we, we found out. He's like, what have I done? What? That's crazy. Exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. We ask for the key. We ask for the contract. Eric went to school. He was in eighth grade or ninth, whatever. He went to school there <clears throat> because we had the house. Y'all know the house? It's on Potomac Court. It's where Colin lives now. That's the house we moved into. Brand new. And now I'm not, I'll say this, and maybe you'll understand. Maybe you won't. You'll have to just get over it if you don't. But I've had three houses in Tuscaloosa, and I'm not a new house guy. I, I've never been used to it, never had the, the wherewithal, but I'm in my third new house in Tuscaloosa. Now, that's just something he did for me. Maybe so I can just encourage you that if he do it for somebody like me, I'm the preacher. I'm not Johnny Got Rocks. I'm the preacher, and he put me in a new house. We, we had a payment that was pretty stout. You know, he didn't, he didn't fix that. And one time the bank called and said, if you'll put $1,000 up, we'll put you on an adjusted rate, an ARM, whatever those are. And uh, in a year and a half, our payment went down $1,000. And, and until we moved out, it was, was $1,000 less. I'm telling you, God, if you'll ask him, God's got stuff. And I'm, I, I'm, you know, it's just me. It's not Billy Big Bullion or something. It was just me, and, and he did it for us. That was exceeding abundantly above what we would have even asked. We said, God, just get us into a rent house in this area. Oh, there are no rent houses in this area. Lord, what are we going to do? Well, just buy... Buy something that's a bargain. Buy something that you can. He said, I want you to have a new house. It blew us away. It, it, but we said yes. And you're going to have to say yes. You, if you don't say yes, then you don't have access. You don't have access to his best. You just have access to survival, to cope, get along, regular stuff that the world has. You'll be figuring it just like the world figures it. And you'll have just what the world has. But we're always answered askers. We find the will of God, which he said, I want you in a new house. We find the will of God, and we go boldly in there and said, I believe I receive a new house in Tuscaloosa County in this school district. And, and we will have it. This is the last of July. I'm talking about like the 20th something. And we got to have it by the 12th. We've got to take, to enroll him, we had to take paperwork up there on the 12th. And say, we, are, we can go to this school because we have a contract on a house. <laughs> That's faster than a speeding bullet, Lord. Amen. God is good. And he's changing everything. How's he changing it? By revelation in what he's already done. It's just that like the light comes on. I was in the dark room and the, somebody pulled the chain and I see everything. It's like, I never knew that was there. And I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. And suddenly I found out the benefits of being as he is. So am I in this world. Amen. So be powerful. Be powerful. How long do you have? It might not be you have 16 years before the Lord comes back. It might not be you have till the weekend. But until the weekend, you ought to be blowing the lid off of hell. And, and you ought to have a supply line coming from heaven that says, this Billings kid, he just keeps, we're trying to fulfill these orders like Amazon. We just keep putting them on the cart and they keep going down there. You ought to be that man if it's just six days till he comes back. Amen. So I bless you because you are blessed and the favor of the Lord on you is limitless, without boundaries, without borders. The only border on us is what we ask, but he'll do exceeding abundantly above even what we ask. So, Lord, we receive everything we've asked for. We ask you to speak to us, talk to us about things that are hindering, that are in the way. Seed we've sown, words we've said, we'll dig it up. We'll, we'll take care of it, Lord. You tell us, and we're in. We give you praise and thanks for making us not only instruments of this kingdom harvest, but testimonies to those that believe not. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, we'll be here Wednesday night, and we're going to talk about talk yourself into the life you love. Isn't that a great title? I don't, think, I don't know if anybody's listening, but they all want to go listen to what, what he could say about a title like that. Amen. Amen. God bless you.